0: I'm Ruth Schwank, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission and the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, on today's episode, we have a special guest, and I just thought, honey. I'm not sure I'll say his name right. Dr. Ray.
1: <laughs> Dr. Ray Gurendi.
0: Garendi. I wanted and to say. And
1: he would be highly offended if you mispronounced it. I can assure yeah. you that. that. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: So Dr. Ray Gurendi is joining Pat on the podcast today. And I. this is going to be so good. You had me laughing, honey, just telling me all about your conversation with him. Yeah. He's... So what are you guys talking about?
1: Well, um, Dr. Ray, it's funny because I've listened to Dr. Ray on the radio for a number of years. And um, he's, you know, he, he's. he's. He's considered one of the leading Catholic uh, psychologists, family counselors, and he's just kind of a no-nonsense guy, just kind of common sense Mm -hmm. type counseling and uh, has worked in all sorts of, of, um, you know, different environments over the years Mm. and incredibly, um, you know, well educated, well experienced. And he's got a new book out um, called Jesus, the Master Psychologist. And he's Mm -hmm. really talking about how, um, you know, Jesus in, in many ways um, was was 2,000 years ahead of what psychology is only now coming to understand. Oh. And there's other places where what Jesus teaches um, it, it directly contradicts um, modern psychology. Mm. And so he really does a great job of just kind of, we, we kind of talk through some of the different areas where we, we see that, um, mm-hmm. either the um, the complementing of psychology, uh, catching up with what Jesus taught so many years ago, or the contradiction and uh, how we just need to root Uh, everything in the words of Christ, first Mm. and foremost. So it's just a great discussion, and he's just really funny. He's a fun guy (laughs) and kind of a no-nonsense, tell it like it is. And you got to stay on your toes with Dr. Ray, (laughs) that's for sure. And so... Uh, I think I think our listeners are going to mm. really enjoy uh, listening to him. And it's an incredible book, very practical and, again, rooted in the words of Christ mm. and just a great reminder that uh, he is the source of, of the flourishing life.
0: Mm. And I love that. I love that we're looking, you know, he's so educated in psychology. I mean, that's what he does. And then to be able to look at Scripture and really that's where we start. It's, this is going to be really good. Yep. I'm really excited. So let me Annie, share. he has
1: a mean mustache, by the way. If you ever see a picture of Dr. Ray, it's kind of. <laughs> Uh, it's quite impressive
0: well and mustaches are in they so. are very in. And yeah so
1: I, I just want to <laughs> applaud him for that first <laughs> well, and foremost Well, let
0: me share a little bit more about Dr. Ray Dr. Ray Garendi is a father of 10 adopted children a clinical psychologist author professional speaker and national radio and television host his radio show, The Doctor Is In, can be heard on over 440 stations and Sirius XM Channel 130. His TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray, can be seen on EWTN Global Catholic Network and is aired in 140 countries. So let's get going. This conversation is going to be great.
1: Well, my guest today is Dr. Ray Gurendi. As we've mentioned already, he's a clinical psychologist, author, speaker, radio and television host. And so, Dr. Ray, welcome to Root Like Faith.
2: Appreciate it, Pat.
1: Well, thank you again for taking the time uh, to be on Root Like Faith. As we were talking, you know, just a couple minutes ago before we started recording, I've been listening to your radio show uh, for a number of years. So this is just a lot of fun uh, to have you on. It's a real privilege to have you on our podcast. Today. And so, first of all, congratulations on your brand new book. You've written a lot of books already, but your brand new book, Jesus the Master Psychologist. And so, for those of our listeners, Who maybe come from a Catholic background? They will uh, likely recognize you and have probably read some of your books. You're you're considered America's leading Catholic psychologist and family counselor, and so well, that's
2: uh, that's what my mother wrote. I I don't know who else would put that
1: down. I I can assure you, no one's ever used the word "leading" anywhere close to my name. (laughs) So even if your mother did, that's still an accomplishment. If you have
2: a pet dog, he might be thinking that.
1: Well, regardless, I'm excited for you to, um, you know, to be on the podcast today. And I I have found myself as I've listened to your show over the last couple years, uh, not only I think I just want to say this to our listeners up front, they probably gathered that already, but uh, not only you're full of great wisdom, um, but you're very funny. And I I found myself driving down the road listening, and in one moment going, Oh, that's so good to the next moment, um, uh, laughing out loud as I'm driving my car by myself. And so uh, anyways, for th- those of our listeners that, that may not be familiar with I'd love for you just to kind of start out by um, having you to share a, a bit of your story, um, you know, who you are and kind of your experience. And you guys, I know you and your wife have, have adopted uh, a few kids uh, along the way over the years. And so just uh, give us a quick, um, uh, just a uh, story about who you are and, and about your family as well.
2: I was your basic shrink. I got out of school, headed straight to an office. Did some consulting work to various agencies, state hospitals, school districts, juvenile courts. That was my career. In, I don't want to say the year, because this was right around the time Freud was in school. <laughs> but I wrote my first book called You're a Better Parent Than You Think because I kept seeing mm-hmm. a lack of confidence and authority. I saw a, a psychological distress among so many parents. So the first book was titled, You're a Better Parent Than You Think. Well, from there, I got into media. And the secular media is where I lived for probably 20, 25 years, doing the national shows, the uh, radio shows. Inch by inch, I crept my way back towards my faith that I had as a boy. And I realized that if I'm going to get a chance to speak to the whole person about God and about the the deep things of infinity, uh, I wouldn't get that chance on secular media. Mm. You have to be very careful, you have to tread lightly. So probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I was approached by Catholic media and I summarily said, no, thank you. Uh, (laughs) I did, I didn't want to be typed, I didn't want to be tied to a microphone. Mm. I I had a career where I was speaking a lot and I traveled and a microphone, you know, Pat. It, 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 if you have a show, you're you're there. You have right. to be there. Well, my wife said, give it give it six months, Ray. Just give it six months. I did. I was shocked at the people who who cling to the chance to hear people talking about what they most deeply believe. So I've been with Catholic Media for. Twenty years now, wow. and those adopted kids came along in the meantime. We have ten of them—five
1: yep. yep. boys
2: and uh, five estrogen Americans.
1: Wow. Well, th- thank you for sharing a, a bit of your story. Uh, you know, I, I know the the book that you've written most recently again is called Je- uh, Jesus the Master Psychologist. And I'd love for you just to kind of start out because I, I know sort of the premise of the book is that that there are places. Um, where where psychology is just catching up with what Jesus said several thousand years ago and there's also places you know where where Jesus says things that directly contradict uh, the modern you know uh, psychology movement and so I'd love for you just really briefly to kind of explain you know what is psychology and and I'm not an expert in any means by um you know just sort of the history of psychology but but the reality is that some of those early thinkers and influencers We're not exactly friendly to religion or friendly to God. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. Freud was an atheist. Uh, Many of the early psychiatrists, who kind of were the roots of psychology, uh, looked at religion as some sort of crutch, some sort of uh, neurotic grabbing onto. And uh, even even now, I get people come into my office who had previous contact with therapists and said, they didn't respect my worldview. They didn't respect my deepest held beliefs. I want somebody that can at least understand why I think the way I do.
1: Yeah. I love, you know, where you start the book. I think the very first chapter is called, who is this man? And, it's such an important place to to start, um, and I think you know. Oftentimes, it, it feels like you know you. I, I oftentimes, told our church that if you want to go tell somebody about Jesus, just go to the self help section at Barnes and Noble. Uh, it, it's a it's a sure place to run into somebody and and to have a conversation. But I think there's a lot of people who who start with the que- they start with the wrong question, and and they oftentimes start with the question, "What works?" You know that pragmatic question versus what is true. And, and ironically, um, w- the argument that you're making that we know as followers of Jesus, that, that what is true um, also works. And so I love that you, all that to say, I love that you start the book with starting what is true about Jesus, uh, that, that he is the unique God-man, uh, God in the flesh, and that if we go wrong there, we go wrong everywhere else. And so I, I love you know, how you start there, but why is it so important for us to, to start with that question, who is this man?
2: Everything follows from it, Pat. The dominant mindset among the intelligentsia today is that Jesus was a good man, kind of like a skinny Buddha, a fat Gandhi, you know, Mr. Rogers, (laughs) kind of just a nice fella, gonna tell you how how you should love people. Like, can't we all just get along? Anybody who says that about Jesus is revealing his complete ignorance Mm. because there is no way that Jesus was a good man if he wasn't God. Because I'm a shrink. You have a God delusion, you are messed up. You are (laughs) really, truly at a loss to know what your identity is. So he can't be a good man. He can either be a liar or somebody delusional or some kind of misguided religious guru. But if you conclude by looking at the evidence, and anybody that looks at the evidence with an open mind has to at least be shaken up because there is evidence to indicate historically, logically, you don't even need to go to the Bible to come to the conclusion that there's a pretty good chance this guy was who he said he was. Right. If that's the case, then it is automatic. If you, if you want to be true to yourself, as psychology would put it, it's automatic. Yeah. You got to listen to what he says. Whether yep. you agree with it, whether you don't, whether psychology agrees with it, whether psychology doesn't, the guy is infinitely smart. Right. So therefore, even if what he says raises skepticism in you, you got to explore it because he's God.
1: Yeah, it's so good. There's so good. I, I think as you read through the gospels, there's just so many things that Jesus says that, that to our modern ears make no sense. And, and I, I think, you know, part of what you're saying in the book and, and heard you elsewhere say that, that there's an awful lot of data that would suggest a lot of research that would suggest that, that uh, some of the values and beliefs that maybe the psychology movement has has proposed, um, they, they don't match up. And yet there are things that, that Jesus says that to our modern ears don't make any sense. And yet what we're finding um, is that um, th- there's there's a great correlation between that flourishing life, that abundant life that Jesus promised if we take him at his word. Um, and I love. Do you, do you remember years ago? I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in probably twenty years. But there was a there was a, a skit on Saturday Night Live. Now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age here. But um, there was a skit called um oh boy, what was it called? It, it was the the character was Stuart Smalley. I don't know if you remember that character on Saturday Night Live.
2: Pat that was way before my time <laughs>
1: now I know you're lying yeah <laughs> I think it was called daily affirmation with with Stuart Smalley and he would yeah you know, he would always start out by saying I'm not a licensed therapist and it would start with him looking into a mirror and he would say I'm good enough I'm smart enough and doggone at people like me uh, and, and that was sort of how the show started and the skit started and and I lo- that was one of my favorite. Uh, skits back back in the day, and that sort of summarizes, you know, the, the self esteem movement. Um, but but what's wrong with the self esteem movement, and and how do we see Jesus really contradict that particular part uh, that that the you know psychology movement has has tried to sell our culture?
2: What's wrong with it, Pat? Is simple. It's incorrect, as it was proposed forty fifty years ago that if you think you're wonderful, if you think you're special, if you think you're unique, if you have a high view of yourself, all kinds of good things will follow. You will be achieving, you will be happy, you will be content, your marriage will be better, you'll have less psoriasis, you'll get less mosquito bites, your hair won't fall <laughs> out as much. All of these things are supposed to follow from a real healthy, high self-esteem. Well, they've researched it and it doesn't follow. Essentially, self-esteem isn't related to a whole lot. The Christian, I think, has true self-esteem. Why? Because if I Ray Garendi say that Ray Garendi is a wonderful human being, Ray Garendi is a special guy. Nobody's like Ray Garendi. All that hinges upon is my declaration. That's all. Yeah. It's a self-declaration. Yeah. If the God of the universe says Ray Garendi is an infinitely valuable human being. And that value does not rise or fall by his accomplishments, by his achievements, by his status, by the number of thumbs up that he gets. That is much more stable right. and long lasting than any self-declared, Ray Gerindy is a cool guy, yeah. self-esteem.
1: Yeah, but it's so important. You know, I think about, you know, um, you know parents and is we were talking before, we, we've got a lot of. Uh, you know, families, you know, moms and dads that, that listen to Root Like Faith. And as that applies to raising kids today, I mean, that, that's such an important truth uh, that, that you just, you spoke to. And so for the mom or the dad that's listening in particular, like, how does that look within the context of a home and family for, for a parent to raise their kids with an identity in Christ rooted in who God is and who he says they are versus the self-esteem movement?
2: Do not chase self-esteem for its own sake. If you chase self-esteem for its own sake, it can lead to Mm, self-centeredness. It can lead to self-preoccupation. It can lead to self-aggrandizement. It can lead to all the selves that are ugly, as our Lord said. And they're even, you know what, Pat, they're even ugly in just normal human relationships. People don't like self-centered people. They just don't. If a parent wants to give a child very good, solid self-esteem, it is a byproduct. It is a byproduct of that child knowing how loved he is. Mm. It is also a byproduct of that child knowing that he will be disciplined. He will be yeah. held accountable. He will be held to high standards. All of those things, those fundamentals of strong parenthood, and man, you got to be a strong parent to go against this culture today, right. are the best way to give a child a a rooted sense of who he is
1: yeah but it's good you know i was talking with a friend of mine who you know they're just starting a family and you know, our kids we, we have four kids our oldest is 19 our youngest is uh, 12 and so we have two boys two girls and we were i was i was you know talking with him uh, recently and we were talking about the impact of social media and just how when, when Ruth and I were beginning a family, like nobody was talking about Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or in, any of those. And it wasn't until our kids were probably, I don't know if they were, you know, seven, eight years old when, when those things began to, to kind of become more popular and and so we were talking about that the, the effect that social media has on parents in particular is you're talking about self-esteem, I mean in, in rooting you know a child's uh, identity in Christ, I mean social media is uh, is warring against uh, that in a major way. And so really quickly before we move on, because I want to talk about another um, you know theme that you hit on in the book, but but speak to the parent who's wrestling because I think when we were beginning to raise a family. You know, we were just trying to figure it out. And, and now you've got all sorts of, of research and resources available to parents that, that talk about the pros, but primarily the cons of social media and smartphones, all of those things. But what advice would you give to a parent who's raising small children or maybe has you know teens as it relates to social media and, and phones and tablets?
2: Good parents will ask me, what is the one thing I can do to most sabotage my parenting? That's simple. Get them a smartphone.
1: Hmm.
2: That's very simple. It will alter their persona. It will expose them to everything in the world. It will change their personal relations. They will be texting at grandpa's birthday party while people are singing happy birthday to grandpa. Uh, the average age, Pat, of a smartphone is now between 9 and 10 years of age. Wow. So you are putting the sewage of the universe in a child's hands. Yeah. I usually tell parents, uh, delay minimally 15, 16. Hmm. Now, of course, that is that is absolute social heresy in our <laughs> culture. Right. Because if you have a 13-year-old without a smartphone, you are now in the 1%. Right. Do you realize the strength that it takes for a parent to do that? They fear that they'll be resented. They fear the child will get deceptive. They fear the child will get phones from their peers. Virtually 90%, small example, small statistic, 90% of 11 to 19-year-olds have seen pornography. Mm -hmm. 90%. Either accidentally or on purpose, mostly on purpose. It's there. So that's the first thing. Uh, In my office, the number one referral I now get is parents of young adults, late teens, early 20s, who say, what happened? We didn't raise him this way. Why does he think this way? Why does he reject religion? Why is he walking away from everything we tried to do? And I will say to them, I believe you, I recognize that you didn't raise him this way, but you underestimated the power of what did. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's uh, there. I know there's so much there. We, we could probably spend the entire episode talking oh, about those, me. those no, themes. And so, so good. I want to, for time's sake, move on though. And, and talk uh, uh, about another theme that you mentioned in the book. Again, the book is Jesus, the master psychologist. And you talk about meekness in the book, which again, is not, not exactly a virtue our culture is celebrating uh, or pursuing. And you've said that meekness and confidence go together. And so explain, um, you know, what that means and and why, you know, meekness is actually something that's healthy for us.
2: Do you realize how strong you have to be to put others ahead of you, to not seek your own status, to not seek to be above? Do you realize the strength that that takes? And the only way you can do that? is to know that as a child of God, your infinite status is already set. So I don't have to, as a child of God, seek me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. Right. I'm not driven to do that. Yep. And that takes unbelievable strength. So when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, he's not saying blessed are the doormats. Right. He's not saying, blessed are those who let themselves get pushed around and manipulated every which way but lose. He's simply saying, blessed are they who know their status in God's eyes. Mm. Yeah. And that status will allow them not to be easily offended, which which is a sad, sad thing among us Christians. We are easily offended. We should be the least easily offended of people. Right. Yep. Uh, that status will give us confidence in the face of a lot of stuff. So the it clashes with psychology, psychology is a focus on the self. That's the very center of psychology. The very center of Christianity is not a focus on the self. It's a focus on God and then others self last on its head. Yeah, the psychology.
1: It, it reminds me. You know, I know there's a variety of places we could point to in the scriptures, but you know Matthew 23, you know verse 12, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Um, and so we've, we, you know, again, I, th- I think about the role, the impact of social media where everybody is trying to exalt themselves, uh, or to be seen or to be valued or to get likes, uh, to get famous for doing a dance, you know, whatever it is. And it's, it's a completely different value, completely different virtue than what Jesus holds out as, as a flourishing life and abundant life. Um, you know, I think of, of, our, again, our culture's value of stuff of materialism, uh, which of course you you hit on in the book. This is another one of those places that that goes against what uh, our our culture says will make you happy. Um, you know, we live in a culture. I think even as parents, we think if we just give our kids the best of everything, they'll they'll it's the best thing for them, and they'll be happy, they'll be content. And what you're arguing, what you've seen in your own experiences, that's not the case at all. That that the opposite is true.
2: We had a simple rule in our family. You're allowed one stuffed animal. If you get a second one, we're going to give it away to the children's hospital. Mm. It's it's just a small little, small little sliver, but the average little five-year-old has 84 stuffed animals sitting on top of her bed. And it's, it simply breeds. I am living to get, if you go to a restaurant, fast food, and you order the kid's meal. It's not enough to have food and food in abundance, but you get a, you got to have something that goes with it, a toy. So our whole culture is aimed that way. And as a parent, if you would try to fight that, if you would say to that clerk, "No, thank you, you please keep the uh, toy," the clerk would look at you like, what, "What? What? Who are you? Is this your kid?" They'd look at the kid like, "You can call children's services. You're yeah. not getting the toy with the meal." <laughs> right. Jesus spoke about acquisitiveness and greed more than any other single Mm -hmm. thing. He talked about the focus on stuff, and because we're such a wealthy culture, the wealthiest the world has ever known, we live in luxury. We live beyond what kings used to live in food, in clothes, in entertainment, in options, in materialism. So. If we just go with the flow of the culture, it will be difficult to teach our children what Jesus wants of them. There's no question about that. Wow. Now, my children are spoiled, and I don't use that in a pejorative term because I'm spoiled. Right. Look at the way we live, Pat. Yep. I've never not known air conditioning. Yeah. I've never not known hot showers. I've never not known three vehicles. Right. I've never not known a house of 2,000 square feet. So yeah. the way we live just breeds that kind of materialism, and you've got to resist it, at least taper it right. somewhat.
1: Yeah. which so good. My, my wife and I, I'm, I'm so glad you're not here and you can't see into my closet. I, I was just, <laughs> I was just talking to my wife the other day. I'm like, I have so many shoes that I don't even wear. I think I might have more. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit this. I think I might have more shoes than my wife Ruth has. And so you're, you're so right. I just, you know, there, there's Give times
2: them away.
1: I know. Well, it is amazing. You, you start looking like you said, you know, there, there's just so many things that, that we take for granted uh, that we have uh, like a roof over our head, air conditioning, you know, multiple cars, all of those things. And boy, then you add kids into that mix and all of the things that, that they think they need or that, that their friends have. And like you're saying, it, it takes a lot of work to, as a parent, fight against materialism and consumerism, but then also fight that battle with your kids and for your kids. And uh, there's just so much pressure uh, within, within our culture um, and so again, there are so many things in the book that you, that you if there's one that you could, you could boil down. Cause again, I think the, the premise of the book is there's things that the uh, psychology, that the psychology is just now catching up and affirming what Jesus said. And then there's awful a lot of places where, uh, what Jesus says contradicts, what would you say, you know, out of all the things you talk about in the book, uh, what's the one you think is, is most significant that what Jesus says Contradicts.
2: You and I are standing over an ant hill. And I point out one of the ants. I said, Hey Pat, you see that ant over there? That ant is twice as smart as all the other ants. And see that one over there? That that one is three times as athletic as any other ant on that hill. But most impressive is that one over there that rules the colony. That ant has the status that no other ant has. Would you be impressed with those ants? No. Why?
1: Well, They they don't know what what the other ant knows. They're ants. They're ants, right? Yeah. You are
2: so far above those ants, it doesn't matter that one is twice as strong or twice as smart as the other. The distance between us and ants is infinitesimal compared to the distance between us and God. So when he looks at us and he says, you know, that guy is president of the United States, or that guy is the best athlete the world has ever known. It's meaningless to God. It doesn't mean a thing. It means everything in the world's eyes. But if you look at it through God's eyes, all that matters to him is do you seek him? Do you try to know him and live for him? The rest of the stuff is absolutely meaningless. God is not going to say, hey, you're the best athlete the world has ever known. Come on into heaven. Right. You're a media star. Do you realize how important you are in my eyes? That None of that matters to God. Zero. And the irony is, to the degree that we pursue it as our main thing, if it happens as a byproduct, okay. But if we pursue it, as our goal, we will never be satisfied. Some of the highest levels of pathology exist among those people who the world views as the wealthiest, mm. as the most well-known, yep. as the most famous, and they're miserable. Now, why is this? That should not be. Right. But our Lord says, that's not what's going to get you to infinite happiness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, again, congratulations on the new book, Jesus, the Master Psychologist. Um, It's a a fantastic book, and I know we just scratched the surface of all that you talk about and all that that Jesus offers us uh, and the flourishing life that he offers us, that abundant life that that he talks about in John chapter 10. And so I want to encourage our listeners to to pick up a copy. Uh, We're going to link to the show notes. We'll link to the book in the show notes and uh, also where folks can follow you online. But as we close is there a place where where folks can uh, to go to to get your books or to to follow you online
2: Yes I have a Facebook page and we we do a lot to try to help parents and and people in life to live better and my website is drray.com D-R-R-A-Y.com. all the books are there they are all signed and we have some special promo offers that uh, that can help you if you if you buy a couple books you get one free
1: Fantastic Well, I have a copy of the book, and I didn't get mine signed, so I'm a little disappointed with that. I'm going to have to track you down and get you to sign my copy. (laughs) Thanks, Pat. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Dr. Ray Gurendi. It's a privilege to to speak with you, and I know it's going to be a great encouragement to our listeners. And so really appreciate your time. I know you're incredibly busy, and so just appreciate your, your experience, education, and a godly perspective. And so thanks for being on Rune Like Faith today.
2: Glad to be, Pat. Thank you.
0: Well, friend, we are so grateful that you have joined us for this fabulous conversation with Dr. Ray Grundy. As a reminder, the name of his new book is Jesus, the Master Psychologist, and you can find Dr. Ray online at www.drray.com. Yeah, it's that simple. So if we haven't met yet, we want to get to know you. And as I say often right now, this seems to be my phrase, slide into our DMs (laughs) on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwenk and at Ruth Schwenk or on Facebook. We would love to meet you there. Also, don't forget everything that Pat and Ray talked about will be on our website at RootLikeFaith.com forward slash podcast. So we welcome you into our family here at Root Lake Faith and would love, love, love if you could leave us a review or a rating and share this podcast with your friends. It's a huge help to us. All right, friend, well, we will chat soon and we hope you have the best week.